You're listening to the Every Student, Every Day podcast with me, Jim Franchini, superintendent of the Averill Park Central School District. So welcome to this episode of the Every Student, Every Day podcast. Uh, we're excited today to be joined by our four Averill Park High School counselors. Uh, we know that this is a crazy time of year for those parents who are considering having their students uh, think about the next step. And we know also for their parents who have children who are in the younger grades and really don't have any experience or knowledge about what this world looks like. And they really haven't gone this way since they themselves were in high school. We thought it was a really good opportunity uh, as we begin this school year to talk to the experts in our district who really know this stuff inside and out. I know as a parent uh, myself, I think these questions are that we're gonna ask, they are really uh, relevant and informative. I'm excited to hear the answers. Uh, myself as well for my own personal reasons. So to our four counselors, I know this is a crazy time of year. So thank you for taking the time out of your schedule and meeting with us. And uh, we'll start off like we usually do by just kind of going around the room and having you introduce yourself and tell us a little about uh, who you are. So uh, Joe, would you like to start? Sure. Uh, my name is Joe Plants. I've been working in the Avery Park School District for 22 years, um, strictly at the high school. Uh, I have a middle school son right now in seventh grade, so I'm, uh, you know, navigating through all the middle school stuff that happens, and uh, like the love the district, and um, glad I've been here. Great, thanks, Joe. Kelly, how about you? My name is Kelly Stone. I've also worked in the district for 22 years. I have no children of my own, but I come from a college admissions background prior to this, which was a long time ago. But at the same time, I I'm pretty experienced with it, and hopefully I can give some good advice today. Great. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, Tara. Hi, I'm Tara Arsenault. I've been in Averill Park for longer than I care to mention. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, I have a spouse who works in higher ed, so I do have the other hand knowledge um, from the other side of the table, so hopefully I can help. Great. Thank you. And last but not least, Dave. Hi, I'm Dave Gildersleeve. I'm one of the guidance counselors here, of course, and I've been here for 23 years, my 23rd, I believe. Um, my daughter's a senior in another school, and I am working, we are working through uh, college applications with her. And so that's kind of wild for me to see, you know, how that hits personally after all the advice I've given to other people. <laughs> um, but it's, it's really, it's been great. It's been a neat year to be able to do it with my own daughter at the same time that I'm I'm doing this stuff with our students as well. But yeah, glad right. to be here. Thank you, Dave. So we've kind of hit upon the college piece. Of this. When should students start looking at potential colleges? When is the right time if there is one to get that going? Well, the right time is, I mean, there's really no, you know, if a student comes in from middle school to high school and they're motivated you know they can start thinking about colleges that would be my quick answer ideally we really push for junior year um typically the, the start of junior year we have psats that happen in october um that really gets the juniors kind of starting to think about college and what grades mean and what sats are because once the psats are taken we encourage kids to take the sats twice ideally uh in their junior year um we don't really recommend three times because statistics show that scores don't usually go up 
after you take the uh, SAT twice. So from the PSATs, that's where colleges really start sending out mailings, email, and really sort of market the juniors um, and recruiting them based on the interests that they've selected on the PSATs, their scores. Um, so there's a lot going on in juniors for their junior year. So typically, academically, it's one of the hardest years of high school. And in addition to that, you're, you're trying to figure out what do, what do you want to do at the next level? Do you want to stay close to home? Do you want to go away from home? So junior year is a really good time to start having those conversations with parents, sort of figuring out who you are as a person. Um, and then, you know, it's tough, but um, sample some college visits and throughout that year. So that's probably the most valuable thing you can do for yourself uh, and for your parents is to go travel, see some colleges, visit some local ones, maybe some ones that are a little further away uh, because you really can't, you know, you can only learn so much on a website. So uh, being in on campus in person um, is, is definitely the best way to gauge if that school is right for you. Um, so like I said, junior year, we also have, <clears throat> excuse me, when kids come into ninth grade, they're just introduced to a program we've had, I think, I don't know, six or seven years. I'm not sure how long we've had it now, but Naviance. So every student is assigned a, uh, uh, they're, uh, they're given an account on Naviance. Naviance is a college <clears throat> finder and it also does a career search. So you can do a lot of things in the early stages of high school to kind of find out what you're interested in career-wise, um, maybe do some college researches on the, on Naviance, excuse me. And that hopefully by junior year, you can use that resource to sort of narrow down some of the colleges because it can be a very overwhelming process. Um, you're getting tons of emails, you're getting tons of literature sent to your homes. And it's really, you know, it's it's really sort of intimidating to navigate. So Naviance, we've, we've, we've learned it pretty well over the last few years that really helps kids narrow down their search. Um, so hope ideally by the end of junior year, you have your list. It may be not be a, a complete list. You may have to narrow it down. But if you go into summer of your junior, summer before your senior year with a, with a good uh, list and then do some research that summer, ideally you come back to school in the fall of your senior year and you have, I would say, you know, five to eight colleges that you've either researched, visited, um, or are planning on visiting. So that way in the fall, you're ready to go with applications. That's a lot of really good information right there in terms of that process and that timeline and getting familiar and comfortable as you kind of go through. And I imagine it's ever changing, right? In terms of your, your list and your thoughts as you do that. What factors uh, do you, right. should students be looking at when they're making their list of potential destinations? What are things that you kind of encourage our students to be looking into and considering? Well, I mean, there's so many factors, right? Like Joe said, but one really simple way that I think that families can start is locally, right? We live in an area that has a huge variety. We have small schools, we have large schools, we have public, we have private, we have two-year. And so even if they start in ninth or 10th grade walking around campuses locally, it doesn't have to be a formal tour. Kids can start getting the sense of, wow, I loved that 
you know, big rah-rah football game feel at UAlbany or, you know, I felt a little bit more comfortable at Siena. It wasn't right in a city and it had a smaller campus feel. So just by narrowing down some of those demographics, that can help. Um, I think a lot of times students and parents get fixated on a major um, and they forget that, you know, there are literally thousands and thousands of colleges all over the US, right? So if you start maybe obviously thinking about major because that's the whole reason you're going there, um, but you can start narrowing it down just by what type of campus, what location feels comfortable. Another thing that I, I try to, to talk to students about is pick a radius that works um, in proximity to your home. Right. So if, if you're in a household that can easily afford flights to and from California, great. You know, then you can look at colleges all over the, you know, the West Coast. But most of our families, I say, look within a driving radiance, you know, like within three to five hours is a good, a good radius to look from because God forbid something happens and, you know, you get sick and mom and dad need to come and, and bring you, you know, this, or they just want to see where you're a little homesick and you want to get home. So look within a, a three to five hour radius, look at just the basic demographics of where a school is located, how big it is, um, and then obviously major. That's, uh, again, really, really good advice in terms of how to start to narrow that down. Challenging. Um, when do students start to apply to colleges and, and how many colleges should you apply to? I know that's changed. I hear terms like the Common App and all those type of things. So how does that whole part play into when do you start? How many do you start throwing them out there to? Well, so it's October and we are kind of in the heat of college app processing college applications, I would say at this point, or we, we will be maybe in a week or so, we'll, we'll get more, but we, um, as Joe said, we meet with students in their in their uh, junior year to talk about colleges. We encourage them to take some visits and to get their list together because we we tell them when you come back in September, October, we're going to meet with you individually, go through your transcript, and then kind of ask, okay, where you know where are you going to apply? What are you thinking? And we'd love to see a list of. I think Joe said. Uh, we're in the same neighborhood. I mean, we've all been doing this in our own offices separately for a long time, but uh, seven, I like seven, somewhere around there, eight, you know, um, and, and that represent a wide variety of types of schools. So some schools that are slam dunks will be easy to get into, let's say, and then some that are a little bit of a stretch. Um, and that can go for admissions requirements as well as finances. You know, it's okay to apply to different types of schools that you're not sure if you'll be able to afford, you know, you don't, you're not committing to go there. Um, we've got kind of different types of applications, early decision, early action, and regular. Early decision means, you know, if you get in, the student has, is committed to go. So that's kind of something to pay attention to. And there's a lot of sign-offs on that one. So early decision is a, is a commitment to go if you get in. That's typically November 1st, maybe the 15th. Um, early action is the same time frame November 1st but that is non-binding so if students apply early action to a school um, they, you know there'll be those applications will be due early November and uh, but the student isn't required to go if they get in 
And then there, there are regular deadlines, which are typically January 1st, February 1st, and uh, any student can apply for a regular decision. Um, and then there's rolling, of course, so a school like Hudson Valley may have a rolling deadline, so you could apply any time. However, there are certain majors at Hudson Valley that you want to apply to early, or as early as you can, like um, some competitive majors like nursing. You guys can help me out with some others if you think of them. but. Uh, yeah, so we when we get back in the at the end of August, it's not uncommon for us to have a couple of application requests ready to roll. So kids can really apply anytime, but August, typically starting in August, September, October, um, and then we'll have kind of a second wave in November if if students don't meet the early action, early decision deadline of November first. Great, thank you, Dave. Yep. Obviously, the cost of college is something that's on everyone's mind, as we know that's seemingly ever increasing. What type of resources are out there in terms of helping families pay for college? Right. So before I get into that, I was just actually going to piggyback on Dave and just say that the earlier they apply, the more consideration they're given for scholarships and financial aid. So if the earlier students can apply, it's, it's kind of on a first come, first serve basis for financial aid. And it does go off of your grades. So I tell students, if you're considering going to college, it's definitely worth it to fill out the FAFSA form, which is a free application for federal student aid. And some parents think that they don't qualify for it because they feel that like they make too much money, but I definitely encourage every parent to fill it out with their child. Um, I know when I worked at college, if a parent made too much money and they didn't qualify for financially, just by filling out the FAFSA form, we could look at their um, finances and see that they made too much money to qualify. So we might throw them a thousand dollars, you know, just in scholarship money, just so they had extra money to consider. So it's one of those things where I tell parents, you definitely want to fill out the FAFSA form. Some private schools also require the CSS financial aid profile, which is a lengthy financial aid document. And it's in addition to the FAFSA form. So you do have to pay for that and you have to fill it out, but it's definitely worth it for the colleges to consider students for na national uh, need-based scholarships, merit scholarships, academic scholarships, and sometimes just by applying to the college, uh, colleges are reviewing you, your application for scholarships at the same time. So it's worth it to ask the, the colleges when you're looking at financial aid purposes, how does scholarships impact my financial aid? So I always tell my, my kids, if you're filling out all these scholarships and it, you get $5,000, $10,000 in scholarship money, you know, it might not be worth it if, if the colleges are going to consider you for their own merit aid because they might take it away, whereas some colleges it's free money. So it's worth it to always ask that question if how do my how do filling out for scholarships impact my financial aid? So it's worth it, A, to fill out the FAFSA, um, ask the colleges what they require as far as financial aid documents. So you always want to work with your financial aid office at the college you're applying to to see what paperwork they do require. But again, they will automatically sometimes review you for scholarships. Um, sometimes students can't afford college or they, they think that they might not be able to afford college or have the grades to attend college. So some colleges will have programs called EOP or HEOP, Educational Opportunity Programs or Higher Education Opportunity Programs, where they can help students cover the full costs of tuition. And then some colleges like Harvard will look at kids for you know their finances and give them a really good financial aid package. So it's definitely worth it to look in and talk to the college's financial aid office to see what kind of loans grants, uh, parent loans that they offer for students, 
And then I also found out that certain um, companies like Chipotle, Taco Bell, Home Depot, they also sometimes offer educational discounts for students. So it's sometimes even going to a job and saying, do you offer um, educational help for colleges? Well, that's a lot of really good information. Uh, probably not information that most of our folks knew about. So thank you very much. Well, we've talked a lot so far about the college experience and our graduates who are looking for that degree or that pathway. How important is it to have the college experience? So I, I really actually really like this question because I think we get so focused on grades and SAT scores and class rank. And what gets lost in this is what else you're gaining from college. Um, and I, I think that what I try to tell every senior is you may end up at Hudson Valley or Schenectady and that those are great schools, but don't shortchange yourself with doing the research to look at other options. That goes back to my earlier comment about visiting schools and when to travel to see those. This is the only time in your life you're ever going to be in this position. You can't get these years back. So take every, you know, I know everybody's busy, got extracurricular activities, sports and what have you, but really kind of going through the process um, and figuring out not just what that, uh, in terms of majors that the college has, but what's the town like that the college is in? How big is the campus? What do the dorm rooms look like? Because um, this is going to be home for the next two or four years, depending. So um, I, I just think it's, you know, it's, it's easy for me to say because I'm not writing the checks for, for these kids to go, but living on campus is invaluable. Uh, and I can speak from my personal self that when I went away for two years, Lived on, lived off camp, lived on campus, and then I came back closer to home and went to SUNY Albany. I still lived on campus, even though I was local. And I think there's a huge growing up process that happens when you're living on your own in a dorm room. You're with kids that are all in the same boat. They're all away from home. They're studying like you are. You know, you're feeding off each other in terms of, you know, I had my roommates come in my room, wake me up when I didn't feel like going to class. So there, there is a maturity, I think, that happens that gets unnoticed and i i bet parents that have kids that have sent their kids away to school when they come home for that first visit maybe in thanksgiving can see a huge difference i mean they're doing their own laundry um they are you know advocating maybe strongly for th for themselves <clears throat> excuse me so that's that's part of that college experience and at least when i think of it as getting that opportunity because again you're only that age one time and that's uh can be it's of course it's nervous you're nervous there's some anxiety around it but then um it's it's really some of the best years of your life uh when, when if you do it the right way absolutely and for those who don't have an interest in that college degree whether it's because of a variety of reasons what other options are out there for them and where can they go for guidance in making those decisions about the next step after graduation well, they certainly can come to us and they and they do. So, you know, there, there are a lot of other things and resources that I know I pull from to try to connect them. So, you know, any kind of contact I have outside of school where maybe somebody's working in a field that they, that they would enjoy, I rely on kind of my family members and friends to, to have conversations happen with the student and, and the contacts I have. Lots of times I'll ask them, you know, they've already got a contact. Maybe they've got a job that they like to do already and they're thinking about getting into a union of some sort. 
you know, there, a lot of times those kinds of kids are teaching me what the, what the options are. Um, but if I have any, if I have any uh, resources, I kind of open up whatever I've got informally and and plug them in. So you know, anywhere from work to trade schools to military. I mean, we have the utmost respect for every field of study, whatever whatever it may be. You know, it doesn't have to be college right after high school. That's mostly what what we work with, but most important, I think, to all of us is that they find something that they're going to be happy with that fits them well. And, um, you know, we we do whatever we can to get them connected. But it is true that a lot of times those kids are, are teaching me things about trade school and stuff of that nature. Um, but yeah, we're, we have the utmost respect for those fields and, and um, we do whatever we can to connect them. I have lots and lots of conversations with, with kids who don't want to go to college and um, and that does that does work. Yeah. Our, and, you know, we also reach out to people that we know in the building. I did kind of write that down when I was thinking about this. Teachers um, basically network with anybody we can to try to connect them and to get them pointed in the right direction. Great. Thank you. Uh, many of our students we know have an interest in playing sports in college. For those parents, those students, and for their parents, any advice you would give to them about the the role of athletics in the college process? So that I mean, it's it's a process for sure. Um, you know, there you have to think about level. You have to think about commitment. Um, there's you know different divisions at the NCAA level. There's D1, D2, and D3, and then obviously there's club sports or intramurals. Um, so you know intramurals and club are a great way for students who are athletic. They like their particular sport, but they don't want it to be a real huge commitment. Um, what I would say is that the first conversation I would have at home as a parent or in my office with a student is level of commitment. Um, because depending on what sport it is, depending on what level it is, um, it it can be a real commitment. So you have to think about, you know, here at the high school level, if you're in a sport, you drive out to Saratoga, you participate in your basketball game, you drive home and you do your homework and you might get to bed a little later, but it's still manageable. When you're at the college level, you can miss classes for two, three, four days in a row. Um, so you have to make sure that you're ready for that level of commitment, not only at the athletic level, but for what it means for your academics. Um, piece of, pieces of advice, I guess I would start with your travel coach or your, your coach here at the building. Um, they usually have participated in a sport at the college level and they have some firsthand experience. You do have to register through the NCAA, um, especially if you're going to get any kind of scholarship money for a sport. And for Division One and Division Two in particular, um, there are guidelines as to how frequently you can communicate with coaches, um, what's considered an official visit to a campus, etc. So usually your coach and your travel coach outside of school are, are your guiding forces. The other piece of advice um, other than registering with NCAA, which by the way, can be done really anytime after sophomore year. Um, it, it does cost a little bit. It's not um, outrageous, but you know, people should know that going in. 
Um, so just to register, there is a fee. Um, and so what the other thing I would do is I would put together a little bit of a, a video or something that can be emailed to a coach who may be interested. Um, the last thing is, especially through things like your travel sport, usually colleges reach out to you. Um, so it goes a little bit backwards from, you know, what we're encouraging students to do in here, which is research and go visit a college. Usually a college coach reaches out interested in a particular student and then the student goes and looks at the school, sees what they have. Um, so it kind of goes backwards. It is quite a process. Not a it's a process. So, yeah. Thank you for uh, that information too. Um, really good information. <clears throat> so we have some students who know who they want to be when they grow up, right? They know they want to be an engineer or a teacher or a nurse or, or whatever it is. What, what about those students that don't know what they want to do with their life yet? What type of advice would you give them? Yeah, I think we actually have a, a lot of students who don't really know exactly what they want to do for the rest of their life. And I think that's completely normal. Um, I don't even know if I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I think that's just, it's it's typically very normal. And I tell a student, don't get hung up on necessarily what you have to do. Like Tara was saying, in, instead of just focusing on that one major, when you're looking at colleges, you want to look at maybe several majors that a college offers. So that way there, if you do change your mind, research shows that three out of four times students will change their mind about a major. So it's important that the college has maybe several different majors that you are interested in. And that way there, you're not transferring to different schools based on just picking a school because of the major. So I tell students, you want to look at a college because it has a variety of different reasons why you want to choose that one school. And it's not just you know based on that one particular major. But when I meet with students and they say, I have no idea what I want to do for, the, for a career or a major, um, our Naviance is great as far as helping them kind of navigate that. Um, we actually have a strengths explorer on Naviance that students can actually find out what their strengths are. And then based on those strengths, it gives them different career pathways. So I always tell my students, start there and find out what your strengths are, because if you have no idea what you want to do, and just by thinking, I want to be an engineer, I want to be a nurse, they might not match your skill set. So if you can find out what your skills are and then kind of finding what career pathways are along those same lines, it might help you to decide on the major when you go to college. And you can even start taking some of those classes in college with those career pathways. Um, kids also can do Road Trip Nation on Naviance, which allows you to define your own road and then actually get a chance to listen to people who are already in that field to see what they do on a daily basis. So it can kind of help them to see if it's something they wanna do. Um, we offer a career exploration internship program at Averill Park. So I think it's awesome that, that kids can take that class and kind of do some research on what a field you know they might enjoy and wanna go into. And then they can actually get hands-on work experience to see if it's something they definitely want to do. But either way, I'd recommend a, a sometime a, like an internship or seeing if you can shadow someone. I just had someone in here today shadowing me um, as a school counselor. So I think it's really important to find out what that job entails before even deciding on a major. But Naviance is a great tool for our kids who have no idea what they want to do because they can do career interest profilers. They can do a lot of career searches and also ask us anytime and ways to help them do that. Thank you. That's a, it is a great program, and I know we've had a lot of success with it. It's very helpful to our students. I think all this information was so helpful, again, listening not only in my role here, but as a, a parent, a lot of really good information and tips that uh, I think our families and our students, who are hopefully listening as well, will, will benefit from. So thank you very much for taking the time. As we mentioned earlier, a busy time of year right now 
for for you folks. We appreciate you spending some time with us so our listeners uh, get a little more information about what's ahead as they go through this stressful period, but also exciting period with a lot of opportunities. So thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. See you next time on Every Student, Every Day.